Welcome back to another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe, and this is the special Ghost Cult Magazine Album of the Year 2020 Countdown Extravaganza Final 10. And I am joined by my esteemed colleague and great writer, Gary Alcock from the UK. Gary, how the hell are you, man? I'm fine, thanks. All good. All right. I hope I, I, I never know if I'm saying your name right or wrong, but I appreciate you all the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's all saying all right, it's fine. <laughs> I'm from New York City and I say everything wrong and I always have. And it's not an excuse. I just am terrible with pronunciations. And uh, we are not going to talk about Gary's favorite topic, which is Slayer. But we're going to talk our favorite band. But we're going to talk about the top 10 albums of the year. Uh, this entire list will be on ghostcalledman.com. There will also be a YouTube component of this countdown as we're doing fancy things this year with our social media and our website. But uh, it's been a really, you know, getting to this 10, I, I think there was something like 230 albums considered or voted on. Um, we reviewed probably upwards of 180 to 200, probably the smallest amount of records we've ever reviewed in a year. Uh, just happenstance and just the sort of the way the year went um probably some records we could have gave a little more attention and love to i don't think this top 10 is going to be a complete surprise there's always a surprise or two uh obviously every i don't look at other websites i don't i hope no one else does i just kind of vote my interest and vote what bands i listened to and liked sometimes i'll go back and see if i missed one um when i see the when i saw the entire group list which very few people have seen I will notice things like, oh, there's a lot of votes for a certain band I'm not aware of at all. But there's not a bunch of total surprises here. I think some of them are at least in the conversation. It's like, oh, these are these are all excellent records. And I, I feel like now you've seen the, at least the top 10 of the list. You would probably agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiastic. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, but anyway, without further ado, let's just tick off this list and get our feelings out there about this top 10 um not again not complete surprises maybe a few little surprises trivium is clocking in at number 10 with what the dead men say probably their best record since their first few in my opinion they've always have like at least one or two bangers on every record but i would say i did like how complete that record was yeah totally agree i mean i wrote that one about myself and uh, i think i said at the time it's like I haven't felt this way about them since the first three albums. And after that, I kind of lost interest a little bit. But this one, it just seems like they're having a bit more, a bit more fun, a bit more relaxed. It's like they don't care so much anymore what people are saying about them. Um, I don't know. To me, it seemed like they were almost reacting to the reviews they had of the previous album with the new one. But they didn't like we did that. We'll do that instead. And uh, that's what it felt like to me anyway. But this one, it just felt like they just said, nah, forget it. You know, let's just do this. And they just, they just sound like them just having a good time and got some of the best stuff on it they've done, like I say, since the first three albums. Yeah, it's a complete record. And what's really mind-blowing is uh, I interviewed Corey Blue, and he said they wrote the entire album in like 10 or 11 days from scratch, the whole album. They got together, which is something they never do. Him and uh, Matt Heafy usually bring in songs ready to go and then teach them to the rest of the band. And they jammed and they wrote together. And maybe they had some parts kind of worked out already, or maybe Matt had a song or two, but basically they made the whole record in one go in a few weeks, which is like, I don't know anybody that works that way anymore. Maybe Devin Townsend. <laughs> well, it comes across that way. Definitely. 
right on. And it's got that, yeah, it's got like that early thrash immediacy that I really loved about their first few records. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, So there's stuff that's on it that could fit into Ascendancy of the Crusade quite happily. And uh, other stuff that's, you know, more sounds a lot more their recent material, but yeah. Um, it's just a very impressive um, album. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, to be honest. But um, it surprised me. That's always the best kind of record when you get pleasantly surprised. Um, just as a side note, were you ever a fan, or did you ever go back and listen to uh, their very first, like their uh, in- indie demo or indie first record, which is Ember to Inferno? Inferno. Um, when they first hit over here, um, it was on Ascendancy. And uh, it was just a huge, everyone just started talking about them. I got the album, really liked it, and then went back and then backtracked on that and, and liked what I heard of the first one. It did, even though it was more raw, it was raw and even you know, more aggressive and I think I sort of like Ascendancy was the one that still became a favourite out of the two. I went back and say, discovered the earlier stuff, but um, it was um, from there on, that I really, I got really into them. I saw them live a few times. They, they were always good. Um, I think I saw them on the, um, they think uh, they did a thing called the Roadrunner Road Rage tour over here um, with Three Inches of Blood, and uh, they didn't actually headline. It was before they got hit properly. There was a show they did at Donington. I think it was in two thousand and five, um, where they just blew up over here. They were they were a name. Everyone had heard of them. Then they played uh, Download and played this set that just blew everyone away. And that, that was it then. Everywhere you looked, it was Trivium T-shirts and they were covered on the front of magazines and everything like that. And uh, it was they just blew up just like that. It was like this one show over here. I say, I don't know what it was like in the States, but over here it's like literally they were a band that supported the other ones. They did this, they did that. And then one show and bang. They had a very similar arc here in America where they did Ozfest 2005 in the summer. I think they played something like 300 shows worldwide. And it's kind of interesting that they hit at that time when it was kind of a neo thrash thing before the crossover bands like Municipal Waste and stuff. But I think of Trivium and they hit at the same time as like Evile and Gamma Bomb, who just had a new record out and the Bullet for My Valentine to a lesser extent and some other bands. Um and then, yeah, they have lasted and become kind of like senior elder statesmen of this thing, along with like your Slipknots and stuff, which is crazy. Mm. So they are one of the older boys now. <laughs> yeah, they sure are now. So 15 years later, almost 20 years later. Um, but yeah, that's number 10. Uh, good stuff there. Good stuff there. Catatonia clocks in here at number nine with City Burials. It's kind of like I have always loved that band and they never do a bad record, but definitely some of their stuff is better than others. A uh, yeah. little surprised at the not the ranking of nine on this because I don't think there was a lot of hype around this record. I, I will also say this is probably going to get repeated several times in this podcast series where I felt like anything that came out before the pandemic hit may be forgotten and overlooked a little. So I'm impressed that some of our list does respect and have those early year releases and so catatonia catatonia was like right around the pandemic time at least the run-up to the album was yeah i would say it's quite a i don't know much a foreshadowing of what the year was to bring because it's obviously it's catatonia it's not going to be a you know, bouncy happy record but it really is quite depressing <laughs> it's a very you know very dark album even for them um I was listening to it a few times and it's uh, it's not one that makes you happy. 
very little right. dancing to be done to it or anything like that. No. There's a few songs on it. It's just like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were having, I think, a tough time in the last few years. I think they had been on a hiatus, actually, and then just kind of announced the album and put it out. I don't think there was a lot of... Uh, long chatter like there wasn't a long pr run-up to the album i think they were working on it knew it was coming but they didn't say anything until the end of last year and then just kind of you know put out a few things and just let it out there and then did the live album but um yeah catatonium and not a ha- not the happiest of guys but a <laughs> great consistent band as i said before and uh pleased to see them rank this high i think one of their not their last record but the one before it uh in one of the earlier year album of the year polls for us also ended up a top 10 record so it's nice that they uh you know have that sort of uh our staff has that respect you know they're consistent definitely indeed number eight finds one of my favorite bands uh definitely a top 10 for me enslaved utgard uh the formerly viking black metalers are now doing this sort of occasionally black metal but like norse uh, progressive black and metal thing and uh, you know there's no every record they do is also similar to Catatonia they don't have any bad records it's just if you're a fan you know what they, to expect and uh, they have crushed it with this one yeah it's like I don't know what it is with Enslaved but a lot of bands will try something different experimental little. it can fall flat on its face Enslaved just I don't know they seem incapable of making a mistake no matter what they do it just sounds great. I mean, on this one, I mean, you've got Bathory riffs, like Devin Townsend-style prog on it, um, they're King Crimson, and, and yeah, like post-punk Viking space disco. It's like, oh, yeah, and the, and the drummer sings now. That's new. What? <laughs> new drummer, got, and already got something different coming out of there. It's just a brilliant album. And I, I, I must admit, it passed me by to start with. I remembered it's coming out. I'm going to listen to it, and I forgot about it. And then I went back to it and went, yeah, okay, made a mistake on that one and uh, should never have forgotten about it because I've got five tracks into it and already Amazon knew my delivery instructions. (laughs) Great. Uh, Yeah, I think that's one of the records also that was postponed initially because of the pandemic. And so I think having it come out later in the year was fine. But definitely when you were, you know, I think we were all expecting it in the spring we were sort of hinted at that this was coming in the spring and then they pushed it back. They did the summertime streaming things, which was a great sort of tease. Um, Those videos were breathtaking. They did some of the best videos of the year actually in the run up to the record. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty flawless band. They never, uh, they never fail. Yeah, it definitely would have made my top 10. Nice. Uh, and then here's the first, I would say quasi, if there's a surprise totally in the top 10, it's this one. And this is clocking in at number seven, Protest the Hero with Pamplopist. Uh, Pamplopist, I said it wrong. Anyway, um, I've always liked this band. They are sort of the ugly ducklings of the proggy, progressive metalcore world. They don't do bad records, but I have never thought of them as really a top 10 band. And then I went back and listened to this as we were getting ready to do this pod. I listened to this in the last few days when I saw the final list and I was like, oh yeah, this is an actual pretty amazing record. <laughs> yeah. It's one that again, I, I didn't really register on my radar. I've listened to it a few times. Um, it's, it's good. It's not really my thing. Uh, I've got to admit um, the computer game riffs are a bit, uh, 
uh, I don't know. For, for me, it's just not something I, I, I'd listen to. And it's, I've listened to the whole thing a couple of times, and yeah, it's good. I can see why people have put, you know ranked it so highly, but um, but for me, it doesn't you know? It's, I, I just like different things, but um, but yeah, they, they seem they seem like a good it seems like a good band, and this seems like a good album by them, but not one um, that I'd have had quite so high. No, it's all good. And again, I, I figured it would show up in the top 50. I figured it would show up maybe in the top 40. I definitely was surprised to find it in the top 10. However, an excellent record all the same. And, you know, definitely they are the most, this is like the most Spotify, the most 2020 of the whole list, in my opinion, is this band, this album at this sort of ranking like you know i i don't look at other websites i don't know what they have voted on or put uh, in their top list but it's a pleasant surprise i'm not unhappy about it but also a little <laughs> surprised but good for them yeah uh and then for a little less surprising but also maybe a little surprising number six the black dahlia murder big fans of those guys their recent record verminous which came out also about summertime on metal blade long-running melodic death metal band and uh, i like what you said right before we started talking which was a little bit of this and a little bit of that which is does describe the record well yeah it just um took what they did added a little bit to it and uh it certainly held my attention way more than i mean i like their earlier stuff no question about that but this one just grabbed me i think faster sometimes it takes two or three listens for me to really get you know when i first got into them when i first heard them it was like a couple of three listens on each album was like what i needed this one by the end of the first spin i was going yeah i like this there's just something more immediate about it and um i say i don't know what it is it's more yeah like it's a bit, like a bit more of this bit more of that and that's really the best way i can describe it it's it's just normal plus nice and uh, I will say that what I really like about it is as, as that band also hits the 15, almost 20 year mark, they are now the sort of uh, elder statesmen of their generation of American technical death metal and melodic death metal. And they have kind of done this. This new record is like very, I hear like a lot of mid to late era Cannibal Corpse stuff, not on purpose, but just have a lot of grooves, a lot of space for Trevor to do different things vocally. He's always trying to evolve and change and get better. And so uh, I think when I saw that pre-order they did sell out in like an hour or less of like however many thousands Metal Blade made, that was like the, you know, the 20-sided die, role-playing game, beanie, three shirts, 10 vinyls, whatever the shit that was. It was expensive and they sold right out of it. So I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of buzz for this, you know, from the fans. So that's exciting. Yeah, it always makes me. I don't know. It's um, always struggled to like 15, 20 years since they've been around. It's like no, it's like no, they 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 started like five years ago. Surely I'm too old for this now. It's like I'm I'm hearing bands that are like you know um, really they're 15, 20 years old, and I'm just thinking it was just the other week or something that they got together. It's really weird, and they're one of the new ones. They're still they're still a new band for me. You know they're um you know they're one of they're, they are one of the newbies, but I think well they're not. <laughs> now they are one of the older guys. But right. I think it's just, uh, a lot of people my age tend to sort of like you know lump them in with you know with all that new lot, and uh, it's like well no not anymore. You know they they took over and you know came from the likes of Cannibal Corpse and things like that. They they 
moved it on from there but because you know people you know i'm of a certain age we'll put it that way and um you know don't like change <laughs> so when anything new comes along it just gets thrown to one side no don't like that and then eventually so like over a period of time like you know, 10 years or so um it just sort of like becomes a bit you know becomes insidiously just sort of like creeps in there and before you know it you're going well actually they're not bad at all are they and you forget how long they've been going and they are great live and i am certainly looking forward to their live stream which is going to happen basically this weekend right after this thing airs on this podcast and our mm-hmm. coverage runs so that's that ulam all <laughs> great name you Lamal winter live I think there's going to be other bands I think they're going to perform a very interesting set potentially of this new record and deep cuts and uh yeah you know definitely weird that they're the other statesmen of their group now but very cool very cool stuff indeed moving right along to the top five whoa uh we're not a fancy enough podcast to have like special effects yet but uh maybe someday the top five and not a bunch of complete shocks but this one is a really strong showing for this album which had just come out right when we did our poll so i have to give props to the staff whoever the many votes for this to get into the top 10 some there must clearly have been some even higher votes than this for them to land here and this is killer be killed the super group the album is Reluctant Hero, and Killer Be Killed is Greg Puciato from Dil- formerly of Dillinger Escape Plan and his solo career, Troy of Mastodon, who's in like 85 bands, Max Cavalera. So it's, you know, I don't want yeah, I don't want to leave out anybody, Tony Illich of uh, at the drive-in. But uh, you know, quite one of the few super groups that's truly super. Yeah, this is one that I didn't get a vote for. I didn't get to hear it until very recently. Um but I've heard the whole thing a couple of times, and yeah, it sounds like to me I've only had a couple of listens. But it's like every member with a supergroup, you know, they either don't seem to gel right or stick to a new sound or something like that. I can hear it, their individual sides coming out and everyone at the same time, um, and it's and it does gel. But it's like I can hear, you know, uh, you know. Mastodon, I can hear, you know, the Soulfly and Sepultura. It's just, it just gels, but they're not changing themselves. It's just a strange, a strange thing. It should be jarring. It should be. There's so many different styles in there. Um, it should jar more than it, than it doesn't. It really does act really fluidly and comes together as a super group, if you want to call that, as a super group should. Yeah, I I also, when it first was announced, I remember from the first record, like, I don't know if this is going to work. And it does work and it works great. And uh, Greg is the wild card, as he is with everything, because his voice is very special and unique. He also kicked in riffs. They apparently also write together. They all sort of send ideas back to each other, but then they all collect at Max's house in Arizona, near Phoenix. And that's where they kind of formulate these albums. And so, yeah, this is a great album. Um, who knows if they can ever tour with all these different bands and all these different, you know, schedules and things, but it would be exciting. I know it'd be exciting if they could do tours or festival headlines. I'm talking about things that don't exist right now, but I'm hoping we get shows and festivals back next year. So I'm going to keep talking like they're going to happen. And, um, 
Yeah, again, when uh, most of the supergroups are not super, Gone is Gone is another supergroup this year that Troy Sanders is part of that is amazing. And the record is amazing, but a lot of these things never actually work out well. And this is one that does. So that's that's great and a pleasant surprise. Absolutely. For number four, we have a record that's probably not in your personal wheelhouse based on your reviews, but is in mine. And that is Emma Ruth Rundle's collaborative record with Thou, May Our Chambers Be Full on Sacred Bones Records. Um, Emma Ruth Rundle, for the not uh, initiated, is in a couple of sort of post-rock and post-metal bands, Red Sparrows and Marriages, which themselves are little supergroups. Thou is kind of a sludge, avant-garde band. Sometimes they do very, you know mainstreamy type things because they're very talented and have a wide breadth of tastes and things but then a lot of the times their stuff is definitely could be jarring and not for everybody but both are brilliant uh we've covered both extensively and then they did this collaborative record together and it was really magical i believe duncan evans uh, another uk writer of ours gave it a nine of ten we gave away very few nines this year uh and i think almost no tens maybe one and uh or two tops because there really weren't that many but uh, this is it's a fantastic record uh she has a fantastic voice and basically if i were to throw a blanket over it and describe it i would say like the americana and dark folk that emma does of like a Joni mitchell or you know uh just like a an evil joan baez matched with like crowbar rips and it works it really works yeah, it's very it's, it's very sludgy, very heavy. I like her vocals. Um, like I say, it's not particularly in my wheelhouse. I'm not. I mean, I, it wouldn't have made one of my lists or anything like that. But no, it's very good for um, for what it is. Uh, it says very very dense, and her vocals really do. You know, they are very impressive. Indeed. She is great. She's got a solo record coming out next year. Potentially Thou will begin working on a new record for next year or the year after. So very exciting stuff. And uh, I, part of my interview with Andy from Thou was to say that he mentioned that the, they were hoping working with her was going to push them in a new different direction that would be, uh, as always, a break away from where the, their last thing was by themselves. So I thought that was very unique and exciting. And uh, again, not a big surprise that this is a top 10, not really a surprise that it's a top five for me. Um, and then we get to the big top three. And I would say I, I would be remiss to not mention that our uh, returning Senior editor Steve Tovey, who handled this list as always expertly, expertly with the handling of the list and the votes. It was neck and neck with these three albums for a while, and then it was neck and neck for a while with the top two. Souls to Fear, Endless Twilight of Codependent Love is number three. That was my number one pick of the year. Personally, I love the record. I love post-rock. I love this Icelandic cowboy heartbroken craziness that's like equal parts Thin Lizzy and equal parts I don't know what. There's even some callbacks to their black metal roots on this album. There's a couple of very un unsettling screams and blast beady parts, very raw sounding stuff at times, very emotional. This is a record I spent a lot of time with. I did a listening party with the band and they talked about the songwriting and it got me very hooked into it as, as a journo. And uh, I can't say enough great things about this record. I'm fine that it's number three. It was my pick of the year. We'll talk all about that in my own write up on this, but uh, any thoughts on Solstice Fear as a whole or this album? 
Gary? Um, well, again, it's one that um, I've literally only just listened to in the last couple of days. I, I'm not hugely aware of them. I know they're, you know, what they do, but they're not really anything that um, me personally. I listen to on a kind of regular basis. After hearing it a couple of times, there's definitely some stuff on there that I really do like. Um, other stuff, not so much. But like I said, there's some black metal um, screams and things like that on there. There's some very unsettling stuff. Then it goes on a complete weird flight of fantasy, and it's like, okay, <laughs> they they do what they do, um, and they seem to do it very well. But I don't know enough about them really to um, uh, to really have an opinion on this one. This one's really, it's, it's a, 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 I need to listen to more. No worries. And I know that's probably a genre that's not your go-to or even second go-to. I will also say comically that the album features like a Renaissance painting as the cover, which normally is sort of the symphonic death metal or death metal album styles. Uh, so it's like, you don't quite, if you didn't know the band and you just saw the album cover, you might assume it was a different music than this droning, sad, rock that came comes out of it and post rock but uh, yeah great job by them season of mist is the label we can't i can't say enough great things about that label they've been a huge supporters of ghost cult and um that didn't factor at all into the voting and nobody else on the staff knows that but me as the scene the chief editor but i gotta just shout them out they have many records on the list this year and many records of theirs i've listened to um Number two was in contention for number one quite a bit. And uh, I would also preface this by saying, or I'll maybe I'll post physis saying this. I don't know. I'm, I'm all over the place with my language today. But um, number two is Elder Omens on their own Stickman records. And I'm going to say, although I'm not surprised because it was my number one for a long time until I heard Solstafir, Elder, we don't have like the same makeup of review team that we had a few years ago when we had like 10 people that were always trying to vie for all the Stoner, Rock, and Doom records. And so Elder is now doing, they started out as kind of a stoner band, and now they added some keyboard stuff, and they had a special guest come in and play keyboards on this record. And it really created this like very Pink Floyd-y psychedelic rock record, and we don't really have a big staff that covers that genre as much as we used to. I'm not writing as much as I used to. It's kind of one of my preferred genres beside thrash. And um, so I'm not completely surprised that it's number two, but it's, it's also a welcome site. They're a very deserving and great band. I think this is the best record they've ever done. I'm saying that, not the band. I believe it's their best record. And I saw them live a while back and I would love to see them do this album as a complete Pink Floyd style start to finish live album live album performance. I know that's in very uh, getting to be a little tired in these days with the pandemic, but I'd love to see them do that, and it's a very worthy record for number two. Yeah, I have to admit that post rock and thing not my thing, but you know, I thought again on that and I have listened to it. I didn't actually get to listen to it until about four or five hours ago, and I've only listened to it once. What I heard, I liked. Um, like you said, some Pink Floyd things on it. It's a very, it's very, it's a very seventies kind of sound on some parts. I need to get more into this one and, and listen to it again. I say I heard it once. Only today, because <laughs> I, I must admit I'd never even heard of the band before. Uh, when I saw it appear on the list, I was like, who? <laughs> but uh, I have listened to it and what I heard I like. So I'm definitely going to be revisiting that one. 
Nice. And again, not your go-to genre or your second, third, fourth, or fifth genre, actually. But uh, a great band, uh, a worthy band, and uh, I'm looking – I think they're already writing the next one since it's – what else can you do this year except continue to create? Uh, you know, what do you do? What do you do with this year? I don't even know. Um, you just move forward and process and move on. Now we've reached number one, and uh, it's a very eclectic top 10. I'll just reflect back for a second before I drop this number one and talk about it, but it is a very eclectic top, you know, thrash, some gothic doom, black in progressive metal, progressive metalcore, black metal, I don't know what you'd call Killer Be Killed, dark folk and sludge, post-rock, stoner doom psychedelic and now this final record and this is a band that basically defies genres at this point they just make music of their own genre which is always you know we're talking about some of the greatest bands obviously they're the most votes for number one i think they had the most votes of the entire poll of anybody so that means they were on everybody's ballot somewhere if not number one somewhere which is usually how you get to be number one our number one Last year was Opeth. I'm wearing my Opeth shirt from the show, from their tour this spring. And I look forward to more music from those guys. The number one album, Ghost Cult's album of the year, is Deftones, Ohms on Reprise slash Warner Brothers Records. Uh, There was a chance this record was not going to come out at all. This record was delayed from what it was apparently going to be, a summertime or early summertime release, postponed to late September. Uh, I love their last record, which is now four, almost five years old, Gore. A lot of people were split on that record. This record, to me, builds off of the good things about that record, the things about that record that I did love. And uh, it's a fierce record, man. It's not the heaviest thing they've ever done, but it's kind of Deftones music. It is what they do now. And uh, I don't know if you had any thoughts on Deftones. If you've been a Deftones fan, I don't know, but let's hear it, Gary. (laughs) yeah, I won't say much on this one other than that. Uh, I call voter fraud. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I um look, I, I understand they're a huge band. They are massively popular and I am a nobody with no opinion, but they are not for me. They never have been. Um I've, so yeah, um I've listened to it. It hasn't changed my opinion of them, but I can see why other people like them. I love them. But um, no, that for me, um, no. <laughs> I said before there was one that just struck out as a no. <laughs> I'm afraid that, that one is it. Um, I I totally get. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. There are certain bands that are absolutely huge, and they just don't strike a chord with everybody. And I'm afraid, confession time, Tall are another one of those ones for me. <laughs> So Deftones and, and, and Tool seem to have some of the most aggressive sort of like, if you don't like them, I'm going to kill you. Kind yes. of, um, you know, but I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> right on. One of uh, my favorite people on YouTube is Finn McKenty, the punk rock MBA. And he has, a, you know, he does all these breakdown videos of genres and bands and who's hated and who's loved. And he did a video on the worst fan bases. And Deftones was definitely in there as an aggressive very elitist fan base my favorite band or one of my favorite bands tool has a terrible reputation with fa- of their fans yeah. and deftones are right alongside tool with that i'll you know, guilty as charged i'll take that as a fan of both i will just like sort of 
end the Deftones discussion with this little quote. I don't do this a lot, but just to read off this quote from the review of the album from uh, Majin Brutomesso in her summation of the review. In times of uncertainty, Deftones have risen to the occasion and offered listeners an outlet to channel their frustrations. And I was, uh, you know, Ohm shows that even with the ever-changing landscape, the band stands out and conquers with their creative prowess. And I thought that was a really good summary of what they, like sort of what they accomplished. Um, they have sort of been on the rise, like I said, even though they haven't had a record for quite a while, I'm glad they stuck to their guns and put this record out now. They are putting out the reissue of White Pony in a, another week, um, which is their best record, arguably. And the remix album, which has actually been a delight to see them drop these singles of the original vision of the White Pony record was to come out with this companion remix CD. And now this remix, remix EP will come out alongside of the classic remixed and remastered album. So that's really cool. Good year for them, uh, even though their guitar player thinks the earth is flat. But as I often say, anybody that, get, that smokes that much weed, you really can't take anything they say very seriously. He's baked every day. And... No. Um, <laughs> you know, not gonna not gonna go there, but uh, you know, great band, great album, all good, not for everybody, of course. Uh, but clearly the staff, at least the majority of them that voted voted for this album highly and you know enough votes the most votes for number one by a, a hair. It was no, that, recount. That recount. Recount fraud. <laughs> audit fraud. Very, audit yeah, very, hand count recount. <laughs> very much, very much an American twenty twenty argument and um, <laughs> from a not American guy and an American guy. But uh, Gary, man, it's a pleasure to catch up with you. Thank you for running through this top 10 with me. Anybody that had reads Ghost Cult has surely come across your words. I'm grateful for your contributions and I'm looking forward to a lot more in 2021. Thank you. And I apologize to anybody who's had to read my words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you shouldn't have to apologize. We wouldn't write them if they weren't great. Um, not every review is for everybody, and as I tell the publicists all the time, not every not everything can be loved, but at least we're out, we're listening and we're covering. So I think that's absolutely uh, all you can really do if you're trying to do this seriously, and we are. Thanks so much, Gary. It's been a pleasure, brother. Likewise. Thank you very much. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally, check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.